All right, we're missing Kid Screen. Kid Screen is this week. Kid Screen is this week. Miami gets hotter by the minute. Yes. Yes. Is it the fourth year of Kid Screen? Yeah, several years now. It's another amazing major media conference that calls Miami home on a yearly basis. Kid Screen is considered one of the top, if not the top, children's media conference and market in the world. You know about Kid Screen. I do. I used to be involved in kids' content for a couple of years, so yeah. You were doing voices. I was doing characters. Voices. Oh, yeah. All sorts of puppets, shows, animation, live action, parody videos. What was your favorite character? My favorite character of all that I used to do uh, in terms of original characters, I'm trying to think. I had a few that were fun. The giraffe character. The giraffe. Oh, yeah. I remember the giraffe character. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but that, that little giraffe preschool show was fun. What do you mean? You got to do it. How you doing? Number one. Number two. Two bottles of water are good. I think it was something like that. That's awesome. You like that one? <laughs> well, can you say his name? Is it is it intellectual property? Jesse the giraffe, something the giraffe. I don't know. It was your character. You don't remember the name of the character? I don't own the IP. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, here we are. Screen Heat Miami. We are back again. Back. J.O. Martinez and... Kevin Sharpley. That's right. And today's special guest is... Sandy Leiterman. Film commissioner extraordinaire. And producer. That's right. She was a producer. One of the biggest producers. That's right. Yeah, she was. She was one of the top Florida producers. She also worked in L.A. And she is currently serving as the film commissioner of the Miami-Dade County Film and Entertainment Office, also known as... Film Miami. Ah, that pretty good. Like Telemundo. <laughs> Phil Miami. Esta noche en Phil Miami. Yeah, I mean, you all are going to want to hear this episode. It's action-packed. It's a lot of fun. It has a little bit of Whitney Houston in it. Oh, my gosh. That that, that story is great. I don't want to give any, anything away, but it's great. Britney Spears. Music videos are always interesting stories. You know it. That's why my <laughs> company, you know, we kind of pulled back from doing music videos. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the budgets got lower, although we still do them. And I think that we're going to have one released this month an animated one right um the last music video that we did let's just say it got slowed down in a puff of smoke slowed down in a puff of smoke that's right that should be your memoir (laughs) i like it the story of kevin sharpley (laughs) slowed down in a puff of smoke just you like smoking a cigar yeah you know that's my thing on a lounge with a yacht or something i don't know yeah going towards those latter years i will be puffing those cigars more and more (laughs) slowing down with a puff of smoke (laughs) yeah but uh she has there's some great stories coming about whitney houston Britney Spears, um, you all are not going to want to miss what Sandy has to say. Yeah. Um, I chaired the Miami-Dade County Film and Entertainment Advisory Board, which is the concurrent advisory board with the film office. Right. So, um, you know, Sandy is a friend, but also a colleague. And she is someone that is one of the heart valves. Mm. Of the industry here. Well, we call so, her the great connector here. The <laughs> great connector. She's our little Ari Gold. <laughs> uh, there you go. Now you got to take it back to Hollywood. Oh, yeah. And if we're back in Hollywood. What are we talking about? The Oscars. Oh, Oscar buzz. That's right. We had the 92nd Academy Awards. Yes. That just passed us by. And there were some big winners, some big losers, and a whole lot of snubs. Yes. And they had a lot of sponsors. They did. Yes. Yeah. We yeah. have sponsors, too. We do. That would be, of course, Kajik Multimedia. 
pretty good. Cinevision. The Miami media and film market. And chemical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Each and every week. And so, so yeah, getting back to the Oscars, uh, there it was, an, it was an interesting evening, to yes. say the least. Once again, they went hostless. Second time. Second time. Yeah. Trying I, to avoid any controversy. Yeah. And, and I they think avoided the ratings. They that <laughs> I like that one. That should be a tweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hostless, I think, is challenging. Yeah, but I did like something. Hmm. I loved that chemistry between Steve Martin and Chris Rock. That would have been a great twofer, but they should have just called them the co-hosts because they've done it before. You know, they should have just let them run with it. Yeah, you know, obviously that you know they were afraid they were like digging through old tweets. <laughs> he said it. They even said it was demotion. <laughs> <laughs> but they need to do that next year. Oh, wouldn't that, that be great? That'd be a great, yeah. Like two hosts. That way, if one starts to get a well, little, they've had two hosts before. They have. Yeah, I mean, James I remember Franco and uh, ooh. <laughs> not, not a good, yeah, and Hathaway. And Hathaway, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that there was some magic there with Mm -hmm. Chris Rock and Steve Martin. Next year, it should be Steve Martin and Chris Rock. Although, you know who's my favorite host of all time? Chris Rock. Well, he my favorite Oscar host of all time, but if I had to bring one guy in. Oh, host, period. Ricky Gervais. Big Ricky. You think they should have him? I don't know. The, yeah. the Oscars. Well, apparently, he was auditioning on Twitter. Oh, okay. They, some some Twitter guy asked him, you know, uh, if you were hosting the Oscars and he actually gave jokes, like, this is how uh-huh. I would have opened it. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering if that was a soft audition for the gig. Uh, that'd make it more oh, lively. That'd be brilliant, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the lively... Oscars. I really loved Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, she was great. Ellen did a, a, a fantastic job. She actually you know? live tweeted and broke the internet. Yeah, she and and you know, her host was fresh. Mm. Her hosting was absolutely fresh. The Oscars, big winners, big losers. Yes, yes, and a lot of snubs and the hosting. Which yes, so let's none. let's just talk about. <laughs> yes, I was going to get to that. So, so yes, I was saying Ricky Gervais, right? We were talking about Ricky, Slick Rick would do. <laughs> that would be an interesting choice Slick too. Rick, I like it. Slick Ricky, aren't they both British? That's right. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There's and a we connection. did it. Yeah, we had Slick Rick's um, manager, right? Uh, yes, former manager, Marty. still man- Mari Carmen Lopez, who was on Love and Hip Hop Miami and was also a manager, still works with with Slick Rick. That's right. So may- maybe we can have Ricky Gervais host and Slick Rick could do that DJ thing that that Questlove did. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be a good combo. Do a performance. I love it. I did like the guy who did the recap, the rap recap. Oh, that was cool. That was awesome. Look, anyone that look for me, I think one of the biggest snubs of the Oscars uh, beyond women, minorities, all that stuff is comedy. I don't think there's enough, you know, and that kind of timing obviously that's that's timing you know it's improv because you're you don't know who's gonna win i mean you shouldn't know yeah but um but yeah yeah that's that was really cool but for him to you know just hit that off the cuff great improv skills was great great talent so there were a lot of surprises oh yeah it was uh, it was definitely a lot, a lot, a lot of surprises there, uh, particularly in in the best picture category, right? That yeah, was... best picture, best director, best screenplay. Yeah, all all stolen from the favorite by one film. Parasitic. Parasitic. <laughs> one film. Oh yeah. Parasite. That was Parasite. So it turned out to be one of the most diverse Oscars ever, actually. Yeah. 
in the end. Either intentionally or unintentionally. Unintentionally, well, but... Yeah, a lot of people are saying that Parasite's surprise wins actually saved the show in general. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the Oscars, you want to think also historically. Mm. So, certainly, it's set a good standard and a good mood for the Oscars moving forward. Oh, yes. The biggest surprise since Moonlight. <laughs> yeah. The biggest surprise since forever. I mean, because it was a first. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Because of the fact that it was a foreign language feature or I guess what they call now, what, international? And, that yeah. It? And that's great because it won the year of the change. The year. Yeah. The, the first year that they went, they cho- they changed the language from foreign to international. I wonder if that, now nah, thinking about that, that have something to do with it. Ah, maybe. Ah. It could. It could. But, uh, but certainly, you know, there weren't other than those wins, you know, a ton of surprises. Right. Everything else kind of went more or less, I guess, where people were thinking, you know, Brad Pitt, obviously the first big award of the night. Yeah. Uh, you know, that everyone considered him the favorite. He did win. Ultimately. He deserved it. Yeah. His first Another act- great speech. Another great. Yeah, it was a cool speech. First acting Oscar, but second Oscar overall. Yeah. A lot of people forget that he was a producer on 12 Years a Slave, which won back in, what, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So he is he is an Oscar winner. I, I was going to say, man, first Oscar win for Brad as an actor. Ah, yes. But not as a producer. Ah, Brad he, Pitt money. Yeah. He, he pulled a mic. But Moonlight. Up. Wait a minute. Moonlight. Well, yeah, he Plan was also B. he was also an executive producer uh, on Moonlight. So uh, I wonder if that qualifies. Yeah, I guess I would qualify him. So is he a yeah, three-time they, Oscar well, winner? Well, well, they changed the rules, though. That's the thing, yeah. So that's For kinda, sure, 12 Years a Slave, they, they did give him a little gold man. But I think that Plan B was the first money mm-hmm. down for Moonlight. So Yes, obviously not as involved in the film in terms of the making as well, Adele Roman, you know, obviously uh, um, Barry's producing partner, yeah. but definitely had a strong hand in making that film as well yeah so yeah he's a bit of a little run there mr pitt is coming with it yeah yeah he is and i loved his role and i i think that you know for me right that was one of the best for that category and from an advocacy point of view the fact that he played a stunt man and there's been a lot of lobbying with the academy recently to add a stunt category to the oscars yeah he lobbied right there on the deck yeah he was on yeah definitely he had center stage and the attention of everyone but i think that's an important category to add certainly i think that they should because you know these are you talk about unsung heroes these are people that are put at literally putting their lives on the line oh yeah i mean who's doing that on your production. Yeah. That's, stunt people deserve it. Give them an Oscar. I think so. Yes. Yeah. So, 1917 did not do as well, but it still won two Oscars. It won two Oscars, but a lot of people were thinking that not only Best Picture, but Best Director. You know, there's a couple of yeah. categories where 1917 looked like it was going to slide in and, and take, take a lot more than what it ended up taking home. Well, you know, I could say in direction because, you know, I understand the technicality, the technical part. Right. Of what it took to make 1917. And you needed someone with the directorial prowess of a Sam Mendes. Yeah. To make 1917 work. But... I was really happy that Roger Deakins Second Oscar. came yeah. through with the cinematography oh, Oscar yeah. on that. But for Sam Mendes to pull together the cinematography elements, the story elements, right. which were great, the acting 
and the VFX, the visual effects. Mm. And that one long continuous take was nothing short of brilliant. Right. Which is interesting, evolution of him as a filmmaker, because remember, he started in the theater in the UK. Yeah. And was known as an actor's director. Obviously, we saw in American Beauty what he did there. Uh, And uh, he also did Road to Perdition. And then, uh, but basically, yeah, with this one, you know, I think he's actually grown, even within the time frame he's been directing movies, to have this sort of ability technically to tell these these majestic sort of stories. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. So in terms of directing, you know, I could see, you know, 1917 kind of snagging that. Right. But certainly with Parasite, story-wise, hmm. story-wise, it's such a unique movie. Right. Well shot, you know, of course. But the story was certainly, um, you know, something that we have not traditionally seen. Right. And to pull it off in the way that it was pulled off, again, was a brilliant feat. So, yeah, I could say, you know, Parasite, well-deserved. Yeah. yeah. That best picture. Now... Did they have the steam going into the Oscars? I'm not so sure if they did. I think 1917 had more of a... Right. You would think. But then, you know, obviously, this is a film that I think started at Cannes. It won the top prize there, right? Parasite. Uh, It had a great run theatrically. It was a success at the box office. Over $160 worldwide, something like that, on a relatively small budget. And, you know, then it did get some love at the Golden Globe and some of the other ones where there was a buzz, you know. So that buzz carried over... And something that I think Roma tried to do, but wasn't able to quite get there. And really, uh, Parasite took it all the year, uh, took it all the way. Now, you know, obviously, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I don't know. It, it, It also is like, what do you think of these categories now? Because now international feature, best picture. Should they be eligible for both? Yeah, it's there, a there's a lot of conversation about that. And, you know, I was reading an article in Variety that had an anonymous member as the centerpiece of it. And so she really talked about, um, you know, why she made the decisions that she made, how she made the decisions that she made. And one thing that she spoke on was voting for best picture. Mm. Now, it didn't come to pass her reasoning for voting for best picture, which was she felt that the Academy Awards is an American award. So best picture should be won by an American picture. Right. She said, you know, with the BAFTAs, which is the British awards, British films win. Right. Same thing in France and same thing on a country to country basis. So there is that argument. You know, and I think it's a very valid argument because, you know, then then what what is the why have two categories then? Why have best picture and best international? Why just have best picture and mix them all together? Yeah. You know, the best picture of the world. But I think, yeah, you're right. The Academy does represent the best of Hollywood, the best of, I guess, American cinema in a sense, uh, whether it's, you know. But so when you're qualified as an international feature, I just I think that that could muddy the waters long term. It could. You know, good for Parasite for doing that. I think it was historic. Obviously, it was historic. But I just think that going forward, like, I think that there should be, you know, more questioning within the Academy's ranks and saying, do we really want to continue down this path? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, Mm. because they certainly need to do something to have more of an outreach. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think not having the host 
had as much to do with those rating numbers as it has to do with. And this is a chicken and egg. The diversity. Right. Issue. Now, this Academy Awards did end up having, you know, a diverse element, a huge diverse element. Sure. But, you know, Cheryl Boone Isaacs, who, again, you know, I uh, brought her here along with the Miami Film Festival uh, a few years ago when she was the head of the Academy. Right. uh, Former head of the Academy. Yeah. Head of the Academy. And she told me at the time that they were moving towards doing the biggest sweeping change in terms of their membership, which they, you know, ended up doing. Right. But, you know, the question is, is it the issue with the membership or is it the issue with having enough product out in the marketplace? And now it's looking like that could be a big part of the issue, having enough product out in the marketplace. Right. Because this is a year that, you know, a lot of films are overlooked. The Farewell, the farewell is one of them. Shout out to the homegirl. <laughs> you, know, you know, maybe even Dolomite is my name, you know, could be. So there is product. Right. But I think that you need a depth of product yeah. to really, you know, ramp up those results. Yeah. And when you think about it, if you're not represented in a show, are you going to watch that show? And I think that that's part of what's happening. I mean, look, coming from the Latino culture, I mean, growing up, not seeing a whole lot of representation there. You know, I was very immersed in American cinema, American actors. Uh, I mean, did I kind of feel underrepresented story wise? Yeah, maybe. Particularly when, you know, a film would come to Miami and just kind of misrepresent the culture down here. A couple of films that I remember growing up and feeling something was off, you know, I think Meet the Fockers was one. Yeah, where they just did this very cliche. I know it was a comedy, but just like the way they handled the sort of Miami Latino culture felt so like a false note. Yeah, that I feel like that needed to change. Um, but I could appreciate American performances, you know, foreign performances as well. Uh, you know, obviously being a film student, you know, you appreciate it at, at sort of various levels, uh, from the technical to the performance. Uh, but yeah, sure, you know, we can do more. But I think what we've been saying is that that doesn't start in and at the Oscars. That starts at the development, at the studio stage, yeah. at the financing stage. Now that we have the big streamers involved creating more content than's ever been created, yeah, you know, that that should help towards enhancing and uh, uh, sort of expanding the pool of potential candidates. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, when there is an issue or a problem, people look at one answer, you know, and this is the solution. Mm -hmm. And I think that although there have been and it's been historically, you know, this issue, are there enough films and television shows in another sense that represent, you know, people of color. Right. You know, so this has been an ebb and flow. And Spike Lee, you know, when he first, there was sort of this golden age of, you know, and this is for black cinema, um, a golden age of black cinema around that time of, you know, Spike Lee and John Singleton and, you know, and um, Robert Townsend. And, you know, so you had that moment. 
And then it just sort of faded away. Right. And then there's the Black Panther moment. So there is that ebb and flow, you know, and then, the, you know, all these things. And then Ryan Coogler, you right. know, that, that you know, and, and directors and movies that came out around that time, Girls Trip and all that. Sure. But there's an ebb, there's been an ebb and flow. But how do you keep that flowing, right. you know, in perpetuity? So that is a big part of this. Hmm. And in terms of, you know, are people watching shows? It, there was a time when I think the culture predicated watching the entertainment that was in front of us. Now it's more in the audience hands because of social media, because of the internet, because of so many other things. So I think that it's sort of flipped in a way more towards uh, people right. making a lot of these decisions and they're going to call it. I mean, you know, Chris Rock said, you know, black Twitter is going to call you out. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's the way it is. So, right. If you're not seeing yourself, you know, are you going to tune in? And that's right. a difficult thing. No, it is. And, you know, and it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation in terms of, yeah, you know, because the, you, the American sort of diaspora is growing more multicultural, more diverse. You know, do you want to see yourself more represented? Um, or can you at some point put that aside and just say, appreciate a great performance regardless of where it comes from? You know, and there's a lot to be said for all of that. And it's all valid. But I think for all of us, whether, you know, and, and we were trying to get more representation, I think the biggest answer too is just we need to keep pushing, keep making more stuff at every level. Yeah, that's what I was saying. You, you know, know, you make more stuff, yeah. then you're, the likelihood that, you yeah. know, something is going to break through. Get recognized. Is, is greater. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at the DGA. You know, if, if all of a sudden 40, 50 percent of the DGA members are women, there's a much bigger likelihood that they're, one of them are going to get nominated. Not to yeah. say that there aren't some incredibly talented women that are making amazing movies right now. Natalie Portman actually etched them onto her coat. Yeah, you know, that right? was something. That was a fashion statement slash female empowerment statement. <laughs> Very powerful. Marrying the two. But uh, when you have just 17 percent of right. the DGA membership. You know, as women, yeah. so you then, only have seventeen percent of a chance maybe to get nominated. So you know, or maybe even or less. Maybe, yeah, probably less. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this after the jump. Hmm. But you know, speaking of powerful women, oh yeah, we have one. <laughs> Many in our little circle. <laughs> yeah, but in in this case, it's um, you know one of the power players of the Miami industry, South Florida industry, right. Sandy Leiderman, and you know she really lights it up. So, see you on the other side. Sorry, All right, guys. here we are. We're talking about buying tickets for the Miami Film Festival <laughs> with Sandy Leiderman. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not doing anything. Tickets, yeah, tickets wait, on sale. Wait a second. We're not doing anything. <laughs> Can you hear? Yeah. All right, get those buds on. <laughs> Bring it. So I said, Kevin, this bud's for you. Oh, yeah, and I love it. And we are still looking for sponsors, so if you're listening, Anheuser-Busch, <laughs> we would welcome your contributions. Okay, so, Sandy Leiderman. Film Commissioner of the Miami-Dade County Office of Film and Entertainment. That's correct. Right, or Film Miami for short. That's right, all okay. of the above. I like that one. <laughs> yes. It's an easier hashtag. Yes. Yeah, it's just that sometimes when we use Film Miami, people don't know that we are actually the film office. They think that it's a production company. So I always use both. Right. Yes. So they're, mm-hmm. they're calling for, for proposals, like, hey, we're going to shoot a music <laughs> I get, video. I get that. I get, I, I get this all the time. I do. I really do. It says, like, you know, or for funding, or I'm like, no, right. that's not what we do. <laughs> Will you read my script? <laughs> but you know what? I do 
read scripts. I will, yeah. I do read some pe- people's scripts, and if I can connect them to, you know, um, people that have influence or that have okay. you know financial influence, then and uh, I certainly do. So there is know? a development side to the film Miami. Yeah, there, there's a there's a <laughs> development, development side, side to Sandy Leiderman. <laughs> The great connector. That, that's right. That's supposedly going to be on my tombstone. Is yes. gonna, in quotes, it has to the be. connector. Miami's Ari Gold. <laughs> <laughs> but a little bit nicer than Ari Gold. Much nicer. Yes. yes. Much, much nicer. What a lot of people, I think, don't know on the film office side mm-hmm. that have interfaced with you only as a commissioner is that you were one of Miami's greatest producers oh that's so nice (laughs) (laughs) so you bring that wealth of experience into the role yeah i think that that helps it you know the first when i'm having conversations with producers or directors and um they start trying to explain i said you don't have to explain i was a producer they're like oh okay great you get it and i'm and they like oh that's so much easier yeah so that it helps you know there are uh, some film commissioners out there that actually have experience not a not the majority so some of them have marketing experience which I also have but they they don't have necessarily the um you know the production experience being in the trenches you know on both sides being in the trenches as an executive producer being in the trenches as a line producer right so that's those are two different sides right that's so. something you called it the trenches it is yeah. trenches <laughs> it is and you know um it's but what I do is in the trenches too, but in a totally different. It's not the same, but certainly trench. There's trenches to my side as well now. So, sure. Yeah. Yes, it's a volatile industry, <laughs> as always. I ride the roller coaster. There you go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but saying you're you're a native Floridian, right? Born and raised. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Born and raised here in Miami, um, Southwest High School. There you go. And then shout out Southwest. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah. Last Southwest, as we then, say. Yes. I was. I was. I was in the the Blue Lakes Glade. Um, Southwest within walking distance to all of those and yes I grew up in this community so I have a love for this community obviously because oh, it's my hometown love the 305 that's right you and go. you know and I've lived in New York and I lived in Los Angeles and I actually a bit in Louisiana but I came back and I and I you know it's, it's home it's always been home nothing yeah. like SoFlo no, no there isn't and you know I've seen it I've seen it grow and I've seen it then pull back but grow in other ways so it's I feel it's still always growing when it comes to our our, our industry and community um, in many different aspects. Well, we are going to get to the current growth in just a minute. Okay. But let's talk about the growth of Sandy Leiderman. Ooh. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, that's, this inter- is, that's more interesting is to me. This, this is your life? <laughs> yes. Personal growth. Dun, dun, dun. You didn't know. I did not know. Yes. So, grew up in South Florida in Miami, went to high school here. At what point did you kind of get the film bug? Oh, two years old. Whoa. <laughs> you didn't know that? Okay, so... Um, well, our audience may not. Well, I've yeah, seen, yeah, you know, yeah, photos of yeah, your true. mom looked very much entertainment. Wait, my mother was kind. Yeah, she was, she was, she liked to be the life of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I actually started performing, you know, whenever I could, you know, Puff the Magic Dragon. I, I remember this. I'm literally singing this, you know, in front of people. Go ahead, sing and, it. No, I can't mm-hmm. sing. I'm just letting you know that okay. now. Um, I didn't develop that talent. But, so I, wa- I wa- went into acting. I wanted to be an actress. And um, that was my path that I thought. And then 
you know, when I was six, seven years old. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. No, that was when I started in acting. When I was older, when I was until I, I acted until I was about 11 years old. And then I said, you know, I'm seeing directors that are telling me what to do. And I'm thinking, but I think differently. Mm. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? I don't want to, I want to tell people what to do. <laughs> When it came creatively, at least. And then uh, I said I wanted to be a director. And so since I had made f- friends along the way, I would, you know, I bugged my my parents, who were not at all in this industry. I mean, my mother was self-taught computer, first computer consultant in the state of Florida woman. Wow. And my father was a plastic surgeon. So, like, this was not even in our family, right? So I, um, so I said I, I made friends, and I want to go to the set. So I would go, and I would say, you know, I want to be in this business. And I, they'd say, oh, yeah, we'll put you to work. No problem. <laughs> you know, this little, you know, crazy little precocious girl. And um, and so I made friends. And so I actually met a, um, a producer um, who actually um, said, you have the, you have the, the you know, the wherewithal to, to be a producer. Hmm. He goes, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you how to be a producer. And I'm not going to say what he said, but he said, you can never up. You can never F up. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, you can and, say it. And, and I was, yeah, I mean, come on. We're, maybe okay. you can't say it. I am naive, but you, you said you can never F up. And I was like, I was had never heard that word before. And I was like, what's that? You know? And I was so scared. But you know what? Um, you know, um, his name was um, uh, Jim Cohen. And he actually, you know, took me under his wing. And he, he taught me. And I so I literally went from very quickly and from... Um, assistant coordinating. I wasn't even a PA that long, really, you know, quote unquote. I was assistant coordinating to coordinating to producing. It really was fast because I learned, I was a quick learner. And this is, I had a passion for this industry. No idea where it came from. I'm serious. I mean, I don't know where it came from. But the fact, I was always very, um, organized methodical so that helped a bit but you know I had to learn all the politics that involved and so that's where that and you know that's where he taught me a lot of politics and so by going into you know college I knew I wanted to go in this direction right oh, I, I, wanted, wow. I wanted to be a producer so when I graduated um, high school I I went to Syracuse University that's where my father actually graduated undergrad wow. and they're the new house school of communication I did really well there um, I you know I did in the summers I worked in the city um, and I you know was obviously making all the connections that I needed to and I was already you know when I wasn't in school I was producing hmm. so I I'm sorry and um, so then I did not finish at Syracuse, so you know. I left Syracuse and decided I was going to just be in the industry. Mm. About three years into the industry, which I was doing very well, I was in commercials. I was producing commercials, doing extremely well. Commercials are huge here. Yeah, they are here. They are huge here. And I, um, um, my father said to me, please finish college. He said, please finish school. And I said, okay, I wow. will I will finish. I'll do my last year. I did my last year at UM, and I graduated at UM. So you? Yes. And then literally I was, you know, in the midst of, you know, uh, uh, going to school, I was also working. And literally when I finished school, I was brought on by, I had worked with an ad agency from, uh, that was in, I think it was in Chicago at the time and in LA called Mars Advertising. And they said, we want to make you an agency producer and we'll move you out to Los Angeles. And I'm like, I, okay, cool. Why not? Right. <laughs> like someone's going to move me out, be from my moving moving to LA to- with a job in hand. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. know. Right. Exactly. 
So um, for our listeners, sorry, yes. you have to go back and listen to JL Martinez his journey in LA. Yeah, okay. very different. I told okay. my LA story. As oh, well. uh, I, I know two. your I know your LA story, but with, with not a, nothing in your pocket. So I, yeah, no, that would that wouldn't have been my path. I wouldn't have gone anywhere without. I know I was going to be able to make it. So I I went out there and literally two weeks into the job, I hated being an agency producer. Like hated it, but I knew I couldn't leave. So I actually I did not like that side of the business, but I learned. I figured I turned it around. In which I, did, I learned early on to do things that you don't necessarily like, but try to figure out the positives in it. So I turned it around and I said, let me figure out how to birth the baby because that's really what is, that, that is. That's the beginning of the birth of the baby. I'm, you know, when you're a producer on the production side, you're just helping the baby out, right? Mm. So by doing that and staying there a year, I resigned it exactly a year and they hated me because they moved me there, right? But it's still, I, you know, I stayed a year. I actually became a way better better producer on the production company side because I understood then the agency side. But then at that point, I was now in LA Mm. without a job and, but I had made connections. So that's when I got into the film side Uh and the television side out there. Stayed there a couple years uh, was, um, couldn't take the earthquakes anymore, honestly, because they were yeah they really? yeah yeah I hated yeah. was it that many yeah well they had they had the big one in eighty nine I think it was eighty nine or yeah it was eighty nine and yeah. and it and it um and then but there were aftershocks all the time I mean I could tell you stories where I swear I was with groups of people we'd hang out and we you know we'd all go out and then afterwards I'm the only one I really didn't drink you guys know I'm not a big drinker right. and so they would be like all passed out and I'd say there was an earthquake last <laughs> night and they're like going no there was and then, of course, it would come on on the news, and they're like going, oh, oh she's right. I mean, we were all passed they were out. They used to it. Come on. <laughs> I know. I was that not. That was the year of the, uh, the earthquake series. I remember it was when San Francisco, the Giants played at the A's. Yeah. And there was a huge That's earthquake the, in the middle. And, like, the, yes. I think Jose Canseco was in the outfit going, like, like oh, I know. Exactly. Take me I back mean, to Miami, too. I mean, it's, yeah, right. it's, yeah I, you know, I can take hurricanes any day, honestly. What? But that, yeah, that did not, couldn't. Did not like mm. earthquakes. That's something because you know people are like, do I take earthquakes? Do I take hurricanes? But you know, interestingly, you know, the hurricane. You know, we grow up with this. You hunker right. down. You put a mattress over your head if you, there's a tour. I mean, you live through you it. You know what's yeah. coming. You don't go outside afterwards because trees falling and right. standing water and you know electricity. I mean, we we know this growing up. Earthquake is the ground underneath you that is feels unstable, and that to me is just it's you know right. I I don't yeah. like it at all. It's just you know it's an uneasy feeling. What so, a production metaphor! The yeah. ground underneath <laughs> you is, is unstable. Well, that's Producers right. are always <laughs> trying, yeah, you're right. trying to be on stable <laughs> ground. That's good, right. A good metaphor. It's very true. I guess that's part of my personality, right? Yeah. I need stable ground. Yeah. So I I I took my knowledge, and I was actually at that point I was doing well in the on the side on, on the um, on the film side and television side worked with uh, Stephen Cannell Productions if you remember those yeah. guys or, you know A Team and all of that long story short then I decide okay I'm going to have a place in back here and I'm going to have a place there and I'm going to be bi-coastal mm. because I wanted to come back and do work so I did I had a place in LA and a place in, in actually Fort Lauderdale at the time and I started taking jobs here for less money in you know in Florida mm-hmm. than I was take than I would have had in LA and I said huh why am I doing that <laughs> and I said because I want to go home 
Uh, and that was it, was it. I wanted to come home, and I felt better. I felt better being, you know. I felt interestingly, you know, and I still do, you know, support the, the local crew here. It what felt more comfortable being, you know, the crew with the crew here than it was in Los Angeles. And not saying anything's wrong with the crew in Los Angeles, but at the time, you know, right. these were my people. Wanted to come back, and then what I did was I, I worked on, and it's full circle. I got to come back to something that I, I missed actually in my whole journey, which is interesting. Full circle because you know then I started bringing work back here right oh, so because wow. of my because of my right because it's very much of what I do now this is kind of the very oh, yeah, similar right. thing but the one thing that I actually haven't talked about was well actually it comes to this point this is actually the right point because when I moved back here I decided to um produce a film that was all gratis like I paid for everything it was a short film called look again and it was about um, South Florida and that how film companies think that we're always beaches and palm trees and there was so much more. Do you know the story? You know I don't. Okay. I want to see that. Okay. Yeah, me too. I, have to, I, I think I have a VHS of this. Oh. Put, so. you got to take it to our friends, to Max Weiler at a port. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. you digitize and then our other so, film so, archivist so, friend. So, yeah. so this there was shot on film. The film was donated. The the processing was donated. The cameras, um, Cinevideotech, it was Egon Stefan Sr. I mean, everybody donated because the cause was to really show off what we have here. And it was everything that's not beaches and palm trees. And, wow. the, and it was very interesting. It was a short film about a production company that comes here only for beaches and palm trees, but leaves actually shooting the whole thing in, in, in South Florida. And there's a little love story in there in those 15 minutes. Oh. And um, nice. anyhow, long story short is that film became a promotional piece for the office that I lead now for 15 years. Oh, wow. Really? That's I gave great. it to them. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. And then look at the full circle, right? That's I never, crazy. I know it's very weird. <laughs> I don't know. You know, there was a path, obviously. There was a path oh, yeah, for me. Oh, yeah, life is full circle yeah. if you take a step back and look at it. Yeah, you know? analyzing that was, it. That was a Screen Heat exclusive, by the way. Yeah. Another one! <laughs> Another one! <laughs> so, yeah, so that was... Um, so that you know, that also laid a foundation here for people on knowing that I was serious about being here, and you know, all the people that worked for nothing for me were hired on all my next, you know, on all the you know continuously, and yeah, and that built, and that's, and that's where we are, and that's wow. where we were. I mean, you know, then I was producing all, I was producing commercials, I was producing and executive producing, finding money for features and TV series. I was down. I did the Key West television series and um, in the Keys. I did. Um, the Hundred Lives of Black Jack Savage for Disney. I mean, you know, these were those were TV series that I did. I did one called um, Blue Hotel for HBO. I mean, so I did those. Plus, I did features, and in the in between, and docs too. So mm, I was yeah. I was lucky to. Not too many people get the ability and the the um, I want to say the privilege of being able to work in all disciplines. The only thing I never produced was still shoot. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but you know, I've done. Still shoots. I've done documentaries. I've done right, and there's an element. Smaller that's, cameras that, and less people. Yeah, it's right. just an element. Yeah, that's but all I'm saying, all yeah, but I mean, you know, but you know, you know how this business is, and it, it very much, you know, you're put into a category, Silo. right? Yeah, Silo. It's very Silo. And so I was lucky that I what I didn't. It's changing you know, yeah, so much it, now. Now it is. Yeah, it, yeah that was different. It that was, was very. Yeah, I mean, I've been, it's very fluid now. The yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was no in, fluidity back then. Yeah, no, it was very rigid, and of course, I've been in the film office now. Uh, 12 years. Wow. How'd yeah. you get into the film commission side officially? So, well, okay, you know why, well, why did I leave? Before, yeah. before we get to the film office, because, you know, for our listeners, we do want to give some technical knowledge as well. Okay. So, 
I did want to hear just a little bit of advice and technical knowledge in terms of your producing days. Okay. So what in your producing days Mm -hmm. was the key to be able to go between all of those different genres? What allowed you to be able to work in all those different genres? It's a good question. I'd have to think about that. I mean, you know, I think that um, I was always a networker. Right. So I was always a person that would go and meet people. So when you're meeting people in different disciplines and you're out there, not just necessarily, you know, on feature feature people or not necessarily just on the television side. I think that's how I was able to actually be able to, you know, to to be able to. Uh, do all those disciplines, but are you talking about how how they differed as a as a producer? Oh, as yeah, a producer? that too. Yeah, differing as a producer. Well, it is it, it is different. So you know, when you talk about feature films, you know, depending on if you're dealing with financiers or you're dealing with a studio, um, there are the politics of all of that, right? And that's a long term situation from beginning you know if you're a line producer it's you know when you get the script and you, you know you're crewing up and all of that until you finish production and hand over the financials you know go through the editing so there's there's that part of it then there's obviously there's um, executive producing or producing where you're going from the beginning to the end to the creative all the way through to the end including you know hiring um, not only crew but on the creative side the talent and all of that so there's that the um, but those are and those are the long form and long form and short form are different because when you have a short form like a commercial it is fast and furious and quick and you know it's details that you wouldn't actually do you wouldn't actually shoot or be concerned with in a feature film you are concerned with in those 30 seconds so it was that it was it was it's very truncated so you have you know from beginning to end it's so short your relationships are shorter you have to get to the point and get things done really a lot quicker but that still helped with the other side too because then made me more I want to say cost conscious to be able to go back to being a producer on the other side. And when it was longer out, knowing that you can shorten it, does that make sense for less money? So it all financially that those things all helped and worked together. Music videos. Yeah. Well, music videos, music videos are are their own breed. (laughs) So, and I was, you know, for a time I was a queen of music videos here. I I got a a award for producing music videos. Some of the artists. Oh gosh. Um, Well, Baja men who let the dogs out. Um, it's never gonna go away um uh let's see i got you have to oh wow let me think about i did a word in spanish with elton john i did um whitney yes whitney whitney houston um twice with whitney houston um wow. celine dion um you're gonna ask me the names of the songs i i remember the one for uh, whitney was one of them was um <laughs> was uh heartbreak hotel because that was not only uh, whitney that yeah. was wit that was the three divas that was Whitney, that was Kelly Price, and it was um, Faith Evans. Right. Evans, yeah. Yeah, that was, That's that, that actually, there was a whole write-up about that shoot because that was, that was a, that was like a, supposed to be like a $800,000 music video that turned into like $1.7 million music video with all overages, I might add, approved by the record company. <laughs> well, you got but, the three divas. But, yeah, mean, but, uh, you, you know, but, correct. but if you ever, you know, I, if you ever go and you read and you Google Whitney Houston and the Barber Chair, that started with us. Really? Okay, you want to hear Scream. this now? <laughs> okay, so this is, this is funny. Um, so, uh, 
we were, uh, I don't even remember what day we were in, but I think we were on day two of day five or six shooting this video and get a call at 11 o'clock at night from Robin, who was Whitney's, everybody knows Whitney's um, right, right hand. Yeah, she's all the news now. Yeah, she is all the news now, Crawford. And she said, Whitney wants to be able to sleep through her makeup and we need a barber chair, like a real barber chair tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. This is 11 p.m. at night. And we're like, okay, sure, no problem. So we send out people, like people calling people that calling barbershops, finding anything. Of course, you know, no one could get anything in the middle of the night. So we brought what we could um, and there was a barber chair, but one within, there were recliners. We had a whole truck that rolled out and this is how it happened. So we're there at 7 o'clock. Of course, Whitney didn't show up at 7 o'clock. At, I think it was at 10 a.m., comes the limo, drives up, the window goes down and you see this. And we and then I get a call and saying, bring out the chairs. So we parade all the, the each one going out and then you see like this and this and then the window goes up <laughs> like two chairs in or three chairs in and drives away. There it goes it drives away and I'm like going okay, what does that mean? They're all looking at each other. Then, of course, I get a phone call and I said, Whitney doesn't like any of the chairs. You need to now take pictures of the chairs and fax them because at that time, fax, fax the it's picture pictures. of the chair. Oh, my yes. goodness. So, okay, so then, you know, mind you, we had still had people out because we knew that this was, this was probably going to not turn out well. Finally, I think at 11 a.m., 12 a.m., she sees a picture of a chair she likes. She shows up on set, I think, at one. Hair and makeup, was and there was the other two divas at the same time. The hair and makeup was till about three or four o'clock. Thank God it was this. I think it was the summertime, but because we had a little bit longer. But we actually, by the time we got finished, we just got the shot. But let me tell you what else happened that day, because I'll never forget this in my More entire than a chair life. Casting? Oh yes. <laughs> so we had casting. we had a golf stream. We had a golf stream on set. Right. They were both. They were coming down, at, at, exiting the golf stream. The plane. So the plane. So the golf stream sitting on the tarmac. At Opalaka, and they're all set up. The lights. There's a wet down, and there's a leak. There's a there's a, a gas leak, and uh, and the, the wet down. And of course, we have lights with cables running through that. So, so we have to then get the plane out of there, right? We had to get the plane out. We had to actually the, because the plane was having an issue with a leak. I had to get another plane and get that plane flown over, and we had to move it. And then wet it down again and reach. Yes. Oh. So yes. So those are the those are the things I don't miss about producing. That's a good. Th- those are the fun parts. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, like you're under the clock. That you know, it's 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 you know, sun sun setting, sun setting, sun setting. And, and but we did it. You know. <laughs> so that's what we wanted. The producer's masterclass. Yeah. I in mean, five I, minutes. I can tell you one other of that that um that music video, which is funny. If you ever look at the video. And you look closely on the helicopter shot when she throws the she throws a fur into the ocean. It's not Whitney because Whitney decided she wasn't she didn't want to show up. So we had a double body double double body double. Wow. Oh yeah, uh huh. Oh, oh yeah, man. oh yeah, uh huh. Now yeah. everyone's YouTubing that <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, but you dealt with Robin then. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you know yeah. she's on the she's been on the circuit. The yeah, past, yeah, whatever, four yeah. Or but five we, months. you know, unfortunately, uh, the those of us who had worked with Whitney knew that what she was she even though that at that time the. Um, the public didn't know of her her drug issues. Honestly, mm, yeah. yeah, we all knew. Um, and, right. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I, I hate to say it, but you would go back and you look, and she didn't wear anything short sleeved. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's or or one. yeah, legs nothing, right? So oh, yeah. yeah. Legs. Oh yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, that's my. Wow. There's some stories there. That was fascinating. <laughs> but that is producing 101. That it is, is. Oh, it is. I'm, yeah, but I had those kind. I had. I seem to have. I seem to be given not the easy ever shoots. Like I, I rarely shot in a studio. I shot on location with every, you know, um, you know, problem. I, I, here's another one in a music video. Britney Spears. Um, she was doing for her. I forgot the name of the. Um, the tour that she was doing I don't even remember but long story short it was um, we're already I mean it was, we were, we, it was the Moore building right has the multi levels in the Moore building mm-hmm. we painted the entire inside of the Moore building pink whoa but this is I'll tell you what comes back to that in a second because well I'll tell you now we had to paint it back white before sunrise because there was another event. Oh. oh. But let me tell you the next step of this. This was the weekend that Brittany got married the first time. Oh. Remember? Oh. What, remember Ke- Kevin Fur? No. no. Kevin was the no. second one. No, Jason, the guy yeah. that she got married was only 48 hours. Well, I get, we get a call it on Friday saying, you know, I think it was probably like midnight or something, saying we have a bit of an issue. <laughs> um, Brittany got married and we don't think she's going to show up. And we're like, what? mind oh. you, no, like we painted this. We have, you know, I've spent tons of money on, on tunnels for her to walk through so that the press wouldn't see her because, yeah. you know, well, it was the, 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 the video that, and it was David LaChapelle was the director. Oh, wow. The, um, the famed photographer. Yes, yeah, exactly. But she, he did a couple. I actually worked with him a couple of times. He was interesting, um, but very creative, I must say. Yes. Um, you can't say no, but you, you had to sometimes. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a whole other thing. But um, yeah, so she didn't show up, and it was a 1.2 main vi- music video that never got aired. But what they did was sort of it didn't, not in its it, what it was supposed to be. So then. We had to wrap the whole thing here. Like, I could tell you, I will tell you, go back to something which is hilarious. We had to wrap the whole thing here, had to go to LA and shoot her in the studio. And oh. that, and then kind of put elements together. But the, here's the funny thing there was so much press, there was so much paparazzi, and there were helicopters flying over, and she wasn't even there. And and, and, and the, poli- the police, city mind police, were saying, We need more officers, Sandy. We, there's too many. I said, She's not even coming. They go, that, They don't know that. So this is funny because they were. Were, there were dancers in the whole thing, and they um, so uh, up on one of the floors that were in the Moore building because they were the, they had taken up some of you know uh, offices to you know to prep, and they had just spray painted. Uh, they were spray painting basically underwear gold, and th- so you see, I literally watched this. All the paparazzi cameras went up like this, and all of them are there t- taking pictures. I'm going of underwear that they've painted gold, and that and, you know, so she never showed. And that was, and that was a, yeah. So the, that was the wedding panties. That was, yeah. That was, yeah. So, so, I mean, I, I have so many stories like that, but I mean, I'm not going to keep going, but those are some, those are That's two, funny. they're funny ones. Yeah. So, so anyhow. So I guess the question is, why would you give all that up? 
to join a film commission. Okay, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, but we had to get that. Yeah, yeah, right. So here's here's why here's why I actually I didn't think I was going to leave the business. I have two wonderful sons who are I now love them. 21 and 24. Yeah. And um, one of my sons, my older one, was getting into a bad crowd. And um, you know, during this time, I was a single mom all all the way through since my kids were four and 18 months. So you know, I relied on nannies and help from others and um but i knew that if i didn't pay attention that it was not going to go in a good direction and i brought them into this world and it was my responsibility because they were also my they were my world even though i worked so much and um i decided to step away from producing and i i i you know it gave clients away and saying look you know i'm, I'm gonna come back i'm gonna i just need to step away at the time i you know i got into it was in a st- steady relationship at the same time and i said it was the first time in my entire life that i had a normal life because i had always been freelancer and oh you know except for when i worked in mars advertising i pretty much was always a freelance person so it was like normal and my kids were doing well and i said you know i don't think i want to go back mm. so i decided that i, was, I didn't know what i was going to do I didn't know because I loved the business, but I loved, you know, being a mom and being seeing what was going on because I was home. Mm. So about, you know, I was lucky that I had made enough money that I didn't have to work during this time. So um, about close to a year, um, you know, it was not a year yet. It was finally it was January. Um, and I, I had, you know, I had stepped away in April of the year before. Um Michelle Marks, rest her soul. I my, you know, my she was my best friend, and I love, I still love her to this day. Michelle Marks, yeah, was she, awesome. awesome. She was and amazing. She was so benevolent yeah. to every. everybody. Yeah, she was a she was a um, a first AD, one of the first women ADs in the DGA, mm. and she was Dutch, and she was just very almost. I want to say very, very, very like this, but um, and that's the story in itself, which is hilarious. She's how on we the met. Mark. She was yes, yeah, T she, and I. She, and, you know, yeah. actually. Every time I would see her, she would give me some advice. Yes, yeah, she was. And everything she, that she had to say yeah, was a precious piece it, of it. It was. It was. And one of her favorite lines was, you need to know where all the bodies are buried. Very important. Oh, wow. Line. <laughs> Very important. I Especially use that, in Miami. I use that all the time. <laughs> I heard that with her literally, accent and everything. Literally and figuratively, you need right. to know that. But um, so she... Um, um, she said to me, look, you know, there's going to be a position below, you know, right below uh, the film commissioner. You know, you need to take that job. I go, what? Doing permits. I'm like, going, what? What do you mean? And she goes, you, I'm telling you, you will move up. You will be the film commissioner. And that's where you belong. And I'm like, going, Michelle, I, you know, I don't know. And she's like, go, go talk to Jeff. Go do- talk to Jeff Peel. So Jeff Peel was my predecessor. So, um, I, I applied for the job and Jeff goes, you know, of course I knew him, right? And he was like, going, you don't want, what, I'm calling you in, but I'm going to tell you, you don't want this job. I know you don't, you're not going to stay. And I was like, no, I think I will stay. Because at that point I said, okay, you know, let me figure this out. And let me, you know, the worst that can happen is I stay, you know, and I don't like it and I move on to something else, right? But, um, so he hired me, reluctantly hired me, but probably he probably tell you within a couple of months he put his feet up on the on the table because I was doing all the work, right? <laughs> because there was a, not that he wasn't, but I was, you know, he gave me a lot of responsibility and I stepped as a plate and he taught me a lot, um, you know, and uh, and so um, whatever two and a half, three years in, I don't remember how long it is that he decided to resign and you know it was a little bit of a you know going back and forth whether I was going to be I was going to be moving 
moved up or I wasn't going to be moved up, but I had already been doing the job. Mm. So long story short, that's where we are. That's, that's where, where you we are. are. Yeah, that's where I, I am. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that time period. Do you remember? It was kind the of weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was also the transition because Mayor Jimenez was just coming into, right? right. He just came into power and we were do there was all different, you know, reducing of departments and all of that. And but you know it, you know it, it worked out how it worked out. And I was, you know, I I was different than Jeff because you know I became very I was very vocal because I figured, you know, if I don't belong in this position, then I, you know, then I'll, they'll get rid of me because. But I need to, you know, bring my um, voice to the position. And I raised my hands in there. I said, this is an important industry. And I was listened to. And yeah. the support from not only the mayor, but the, all the, the 13 commissioners as well. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I can say because um, I work with Jeff because that's when yes, um, you do. the Miami-Dade County Film and Entertainment Advisory Board yes. first came back in line. That's right. And so I was. The that's ch- where we met. That is where we met. Yes, That's right. When I, was- I was the chair of the community building committee. Yeah. So that was like the outreach committee of the board, mm-hmm. which meant that certainly had to interface a lot with the public, with Jeff and with you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that matriculation. Yeah. You know, as you started to kind of take the reins and and to bring in. You know, all that experience, that wealth of experience that you just talked about, right. you know, Thank you. Yeah. of course, we got an exclusive right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a couple of exclusives, actually, I think. You know, but but certainly you can feel that depth of experience in the way that you have taken the reins well, and you. the way that you've um, guided things. Well, it's, it's passion. It's because I came from the industry, you know, it's passion for this industry. It's passion for this community and the industry together. That's, you know, there's not, there's, that's not just experience. That's also something, you know, every, you know, even though I might not have known you before when I was a producer, cause I didn't know you guys when I was a producer, but I know so many of the crew out there when I was. And so when I walk onto a set or I'm, I'm trying to, you know, work and going to Tallahassee, their appreciation, cause they know, you know, me from that, from, yeah. you know, that they know I was in the trend. Well, you, you, you may have known me, but not known me because I was in front of the camera. That's probably. I'm, won- I'm wondering if you auditioned <laughs> so sure for a bit. Yeah, yeah sure might have. Done yes. Some of your projects, <laughs> but you? I was like a you know, yeah. talent. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you were one of those guys getting spray painted with gold <laughs> that's, underwear. Right. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I've got, yeah, I have my share yeah. of uh, those kinds of experiences, <laughs> most certainly. Um, but um, your wealth of experience into the role has become even more important because, you know, the industry has had ups and downs. And so I did want to talk about this part of it because a lot of people don't see the legislative part of the industry and why states like Georgia, um, Louisiana is teeters back and forth, but, you know, states with these incentives Mm -hmm. have really become epicenters. Right. And so, you know, certainly I'd like to talk about that your well that will and also you know your role in the office okay so. yeah I probably some people don't know my role as you know I'm the legislative lead for Miami-Dade County with um, you know with this industry so um, you know luckily the chief of government relations Jess McCarty who I'm giving a shout out to because he's amazing and everybody in the county knows he's amazing he's you know he gives me um, he trained me on how to deal with um, politicians and, and legislators and and um, politics and I 
he, he allows me to go without adult supervision to, to Tallahassee. <laughs> um, he, he does. And um, because, uh, you know, it is it, it, it is a challenge these days in Tallahassee. Um, you know, just a, a little bit. I want to go back to what you say about because a lot of people don't understand about Georgia and the, the other states that actually have incentives and why they might have incentives and why we might not have incentives or why we might have a conservative program. And it's something that I want to address because people say, why can't we be Georgia? And I'll tell you why we can't be Georgia or Louisiana or New York. Because, you know, when you guys get your paychecks, you don't have a state income tax that is taken out. That when you have a state income tax, there is a large pool of money to be able to pull from. The state does not. The state literally survives on sales tax. That's that's what it is on the state side, on the on the county side and the city side. Then it's um, property taxes. Right. So and. Um, tourist development taxes are also divvied up, you know, dep- you know, between the um, Convention Visitors Bureau and other, you know, and other um, ways to bring in tourists, which is, of course, our number one industry in the, in the state. Um, right. So what? So that's why we are limited when we go to Tallahassee um, when when we're asking for a program. And then people ask, well, why did we have this program before? <clears throat> it's because we had um, we had people that for years had. Well, first of all, there was a smaller program that was very successful, which was a rebate program that started in 2004 by by Governor Bush and right. Paul Sermons, who was the who was the, the felt like an earthquake. LA's <laughs> <laughs> coming back. LA, that's a sign. LA's coming. So, um, so uh, um, where was I? Um, so we were talking about the um, uh, what you might call it. Um, we lost. No, it's the incentive. Yeah, the incentive. And, and right. well, oh, Tallahassee, and right? Tallahassee and, and, version of the incentive. Right, and and so the, the, well, these other states, they are they're able to have um, a, a, an incentive because the the deep pop. But we were talking about Jeb Bush had formed in two thousand and four a gov- program. Former governor. governor, right? Jeb, governor Jeb Bush for, um, had a program with Paul Servants, who was the film commissioner at the time. They um, had a rebate program that lasted until about two thousand and nine. And, but within 2008, 2009 is when there was a whole nother push with other legislators that saw the, um, you know, the uh, success of that program to make it a bigger program. And that's how we got to get the $296 million over six years situation right. for tax credits. Um, and from that moment, I mean, the industry really exploded. Well, it exploded. But, you know, I will tell you what the, the downfall of that program was, and it's not the downfall of the program, but it was after year one. So originally that program was, you were doled at $75 million the first year, $42 million the second year. It was all to equal over right. six years, $296 million. And this was statewide. Obviously. This is statewide, yes, not just here. And um, in year, basically year two, um, someone... I'm not. It's going to be remain nameless. Decided, or you know, a faction decided to lobby um, Tallahassee and say, well, you know what? Um, the language and how it's written, you know, we can do out years because that was a tax incentive, and so a tax incentive is goes by years. So when you get a tax certificate that you're selling back, it's like so it would be 2020. This would be the year, right? So you'd be able to sell it back at the end of the year to be able to get, you know, that's that's an education on tax incentives, but I could. That's a whole nother. <laughs> that's program, yeah, right? right? Like- so. What happened was they opened up by interpreting the language they wanted, how they wanted to interpret it. They they opened up the out years. So then, 
all the tax credit were available, you know, Just all to at get the same time, time, same year, right? Right, and everything. And so, oh, I remember that. Yeah. You push a button. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody, yeah. when that button is pushed. Yeah, that's like right. A, at the same time, right. and and it was basically it was all gone, you know. And then when as projects fell out or they didn't use the credits, then we they cobble them back together and try to give them to other projects. And that's what happened hmm. until you know about 2015. You know, 2016 it sunsetted, but 2015 is really the last time we had like ballers and you know um, well, Graceland, yeah, right? Bloodline, yeah. yeah that's right yeah. that so that's um, sort of the reason why we had that and why we are where we are today is we have a very conservative legislature for the last now it'll be for sure four it would be five years at this point because most of the speakers have power before they get into um, their role as speaker right. so for five years we've there's been an ideology on the house side the House of Representatives in the state of Florida that um, incentives are not good for any industry that it's 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 a handout and that uh, private sector should be um you know do, uh, make raising their own money and doing their own thing and so um that's what that's what's happened up until now for the last and so we've not made any headway up in Tallahassee really with that Things seem to be. We're hoping, we're praying that they're changing. We have uh, there's going to be a, a, the speakers changing, and you know, don't know what his ideology is, but the you know all points you know points to the fact that at least he's um, willing to listen, and that's um, that's uh, Chris Sprawls is going to be the speaker um, next year, not this year, but next year, and um, we're hoping that he will you know will at least listen and understand. You know, there's a lot of industries that um, you know. Uh, I, I think you can say maybe don't need an incentive, and that's some, some do, some don't. This one does only because it's just if you have competition and they're doing the this thing and you're not doing it, and people are saving money by them doing it, they're going to yeah go, go there. to the place where yeah. they can get right. Yeah. And, and this is just for and this is a really quick one-on-one incentive okay. um, lesson for the listeners that don't know necessarily what, what incentives theirs, are, right? yes, correct. which is um, when you shoot your production, the state then after you're done with your production will give you, incentivize that production where you get a percentage of that back through the form of a tax credit. Or, or, or labor, it could be or a cash re- rebate. Different states rate. have different right. mm-hmm. um, ways of doing it. Right. We had a cash rebate system at one point, then we had and a, and then and then we had a tax incentive based. And now we system. have nothing, right? And, and now we have nothing. Right. That's right. <laughs> but um, Georgia has a a, a comprehensive um, incentive system, but there's like 26 states now that have. There's 33 states. Oh, there's 33. And we I, are, thought, I thought we yeah, lost. We lost and we gave, but 33, sta- 33 states. Okay, 33 states. And um, we're the only state on the Southeast that does not have an incentive program. Right. So then it becomes yeah. a little bit harder right. to compete. Lo- it's a lot harder to because compete. Because if you're going to Publix and Publix is giving that's, you a coupon. That is my, <laughs> you're using my analogy. <laughs> you know, and, and, and then you go to Whole Foods, you don't get a coupon and where you, you're going to go. go right. For the like, same right. product. Here's right. a $10 off on it on this you know and it might chicken. not be the same product but you know what maybe it'd be you know a similar product so therefore Georgia they go to Savannah for a beach <laughs> and they say it's Miami and so <coughs> um, yeah well you know uh, podcast number 21 right but you know the integrity you know I think you know as a being a, coming from being a creative producer in the industry I think that your integrity of your project no matter
matter what, if you're only sacrificing for money, it loses it. Now, they, I'm probably be argued to death by every studio who, you know, who says, you know, this is in their business plan, you know, and, you know, if, if everybody else is, you know, if they're not being fiscally responsible if they don't, you know, look at the money side and see where that they can, you know, put more as much money on the screen as right. they can for yeah, the money. Right. Well, Moonlight, you yeah. know, they bucked the trend. Right. And I think their budget well, was and I think a couple that's part of the, dollars. Yeah, the, the transition. And they shot here anyway. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it was important. You can see right. it. It, came, it was all on the screen. Yeah. But there was, you know, to be fair, there was less risk in that movie because it was a much lower budget. That's right. That's right. correct. Well, yeah. so, that's right. I mean, you know, I think when you're working at a level of a bad boys where it's a hundred plus million dollar budget. Yes. Oh, it's different. Yes. Or versus, a high impact television yeah. show that, you know, yes. is over a few seasons. Yeah. Or like a ballers where it's, well, maybe three, four million an episode. Right. Yeah. That kind of deal. Then that's a much different ball game than, you know, an indie film like Moonlight. Right. Yeah. Right. But I'll just, to, you know, to, 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 to make matters the, the worst is that, so we have a, a film that is called One Night night in Miami that is going to be shot is going to be directed by um, by Regina King her first directorial debut mm. and it's about the Sonny Liston and um, Cassius Clay fight here in Miami wow they're, not they're shooting, shooting it in Georgia they're right? shooting it in Louisiana in Louisiana yeah. Yeah. yeah it's you know it's a 10 million dollar project they're shooting right. it there they're not even coming here for anything for so. a scout or anything no they, they sc- yeah so it's those are the things not that even second unit no I know I said the same thing now that said you know when they get into production this has happened before where I've heard that right. nothing's going to come and they come but they they only come for you know a couple of days and that's not right. that still doesn't give us a long-term job creation that we're looking for mm-hmm. you know yes it's gonna you know show up in a film still show up in a film you know for quote-unquote um, uh, tourism if people are looking at it and saying okay that's where you know maybe we want to go there because that's Miami or this was shot in Miami yeah but that was um, a great Super Bowl commercial by the way oh yeah the whole Google film tourism thing I know was it? That? yeah I know yeah. it's great yeah. it's yeah. fantastic just so, send that up to talent yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'll send them something. We send, up a, to we send a lot. I just came back from there. I was just there last week. Okay, so I know? guess you know the nuts and bolts now is you know how do you envision fixing? Obviously, we have nothing now. We mm-hmm. had something before that, like you said, did have flaws. Right. Uh, so what what ideally would be a way forward so that we could get something back and at the same time take advantage of this? In my opinion, this explosion of independent film talent that is coming out of Miami. In other words, Miami's yeah. new creative class. Well, that's a tough question. Of course, you know it is. Uh, everybody that is that has um, a stake in this is, you know, I, even though people say it doesn't work, I still say calling and writing your legislator is important. I don't think that our industry enough, um, you know, goes to bat for that, you know, because they're. And the truth is, because they're busy, they're freelancers and they're busy working, and when they're not working, they're looking for work. So that's, you know, you got to raise families, you got to, you know, got to pay the bills. So I think that makes it more difficult. But you know, just make those phone calls and just saying, you know, we support a program, whether it's a, a freshman um, legislator or it's a, a legislator that's been there for a while you know, across the state. Everybody has to do it, you know, and right. people in and even um, interest from um, uh, businesses that are interested in this industry, like hotels and, you know, anybody that has benefited from the industry business wise, which are there quite a bit of businesses that have done that. They have to do the same thing. The only way that, um, uh, t- you know, I would say, quote, unquote, Tallahassee understands is if they know that the voters are want something, right? And that means that's that has to be in mass. It can't be five people. Right. And that's part of what makes it difficult, you know, when, you know, we, when we're going up there and we don't have enough support from the industry because they're all working. It's not because they don't want to support us, but 
because you know just but I just say pick up the phone make a phone call right. it goes on record it has to so moving forward um, you know what part of what my initiative has been is you know I'm at the opening of an envelope I say so I travel a lot and get, get myself in front of people for at least for our industry here we have a local incentive that took three and a half years to to, to um, be enacted but thankfully the mayor and Commissioner Sally Heyman was um, you know was believed in um, the incentive enough to make that happen so we're in, in this bringing projects in um, you know but moving forward it's um, you know this this coming up year after this session which ends in March is a pivotal year for yeah. us right. for us to make our voices heard so that's where we need to make our voices heard is those phone calls those letters you know right because there will be you know obviously new legislatures a changing of the guard so to speak correct so right and is, we need right. to re-educate and right. that's and that's what we started doing but you know, you still—it's—it's it's always it's an, an education. It is an ongoing effort. You know, it's not that I just go to Tallahassee during the, you know when the legislators come off of session. We're meeting with legislators all year. Right. You know, yeah. that's part of what we—that's what we do. You know, at least leadership in Film right. Florida does. Right. And, and obviously, know? it's easier to I guess approach a legislature when they're home as opposed to travel to Tallahassee. Oh yeah, and right? well, it's much—it's not only easier; it's also easier because they, you get their attention more. In Tallahassee, right. there, there's five thousand things going on. They're getting hit by five thousand other things. Right. You know, people. But, um, you know, it's it, it's important to do it when you're at home. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Well, you did say something and we're going to take a turn up. OK. The indie film scene. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. The fun stuff. Yes. <laughs> well, we are, I mean, I'm looking at two filmmakers right in front of me. Right. So that the indie <laughs> film. Now that, you know, that's because our besides the fact that we have so much wealth of talent here, talented filmmakers, that's finally, you know, actually getting out the the you know moonlight opened that door up in, mm-hmm. a, in a lot of ways to show and, and it's ha- it's been before that but that yeah. seemed to be on the world stage to, well, Oscar, to, right mean. exactly <laughs> hello um, right. but that that put a focus on the fact that you know a filmmakers can come here and work without an incentive and get their project done and it can right. be successful and and they can make money so I think that has greatly helped us mm-hmm. um, and besides the fact that I mean we've had the talented filmmakers but having that spotlight actually now has blossomed and of course we've talked about you know we haven't talked about but Sundance and yeah we know, were going to get yeah, to that yeah, I mean it is it is yeah. reciprocal yeah, though yeah, yes. and I just did I did want to say something else as a producer and a production right. company owner you know it's it's a top down and bottom up yeah situation yes. great because you know we have uh, created a presence in Georgia you know mm-hmm. and but you, you know Boo. <laughs> but, 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 but based here I know you are I but, just, I just but, have to but, give you a hard time but certainly you know when you have the high impact TV shows and the big feature films what comes along with that is the crews and the producers right. and the writers and all of that and, and that that is a trickle down effect yes. yeah. because then you know your local industry has the ability to interface with those folks and people are making money so yeah. then you can, they can actually, ask people from crews to come and help you on your project and, well, there's that and there's also that the, the crew members who you know that are just coming up or they're in, indie filmmakers they're making enough money so that they actually can produce their own films own projects. right yeah. Yeah. No, you're right there's budget there's ways to make a living right. and then to be fair from the top from the bottom up you know I think from an education standpoint we have some of the best film schools in the country yes we not do. even at the college level no, I mean New yeah. World School of the Arts Dash yes. Yes. You know, obviously FSU top 10 Ringling Brothers top 20 yeah. yes yeah. you absolutely. know UM 
Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's also you. a solid program. <laughs> yeah. So Miami Day College, obviously, yes, at, yeah. great film program. So yeah, J.R. Poli. Yeah. J.R. Yeah, our, our Marcus my, director. Yeah, yeah, Miami Day College world premiere at the Miami Film Festival. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> What's the date? Go to the website. We're so excited. Yeah. So excited yeah, yeah. for that. That's, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, but it, but it it is. <laughs> you know, it's a reciprocal. It's a cycle. Right? Yeah. No, it is. And 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 that we are generating more buzz. And you know, I as I say, that's for especially with the incentive that we enacted that's the sweet spot for us is indie film you know because it's the, it's you know we'd like it to be lower but it's at the half million to just to over a million you know right. threshold and we're getting so much you know um, interest and not only just interest I mean you know I was just in Sundance right yeah. Land Dance and I'm going to tell you we're probably hopefully with from that I never want to say when it's going to happen but uh, about six projects wow right so yeah. you know that you know being in front another of another screen heat getting, exclusive yeah. <laughs> but you know it, it is um it is always being out there and talking about it. It's like just talking about what we have here, what we have to offer. It's a constant sell. Um, but I'm not selling anything that I'm not selling something that's not here. I'm selling what we have, and that's talented filmmakers, right. talented crew, diverse locations, beautiful light. I mean, you know, so and yeah. and, and the ability for, I think our not only our crews, but you know, also our our office and the film offices locally who um, try to hold the hand of pr- productions that come in and try to make sure that you know what their budget it is to try to to help them with you know finding crew that finding locations all of those things that's part of what we do to help it easier because right. again I come from the production side and so I've trained my my um, staff to be responsive and you know we we're really quick at you know turning things around yeah, ma- like 300 like the Spartans yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to touch on that and something we talk about a lot here which is the streaming wars that now you know you have these sort of digital content platforms that are able to work at lower budgets Facebook watch obviously mm-hmm. you know quick will be coming out soon you know these all 10 minute sort of what they used to call snackable content but you know produced by some major people in Hollywood yeah and by by the way so Facebook Watch now has two projects locally oh Latin Queens which was is uh, um, uh, it's coming up there Uh, that was Facebook Watch that's about uh, three divas sort of like what I worked with before but different so it's Talia (laughs) don't don't ask me about the three who the three queens are because I don't remember but it's it's music nope that's different that's that's different. There's two. So that's the three queens is about the music industry and about Latin music, right? Nice. And um, and that's the reality show, but it's a high end reality show for Facebook Watch. And then Red Table Talk, Red which table is talk the Stephens, right. yeah, which is great. Yeah. So yeah, so we have those two, and those have already been announced. That's why I can say them. But um, you know, yeah, so we're excited in that. That's Facebook Watch, and they're very interested in our area. That's also some things that we do, we don't talk about that we do. You know, one thing I haven't actually said, which is very important, the Greater Miami Convention of Visitors. Bureau supports my marketing efforts. Like this is not, it's actually not even, you know, county dollars or taxpayer money. That's, that's all from the Greater Miami Convention Visitors Bureau because they believe, you know, not only what, um, uh, you know, it brings heads and beds to hotels, but it's the mm-hmm. future, the tourism that goes, what goes on the screen as, you know, advertising for Miami. Yeah, for yeah Miami, you know, Miami, and, Miami. Yeah. You know when, when you shoot somewhere, it increases the tourism so much. Right. Yes. And it's really made 
a lot of locations. Yeah. It's oh. made industries in so many made ta- places around made, the world. I know, made towns actually yeah, right. come to life. I mean, look, we can go all the way back to, I didn't even talk about Miami, my Miami Vice days. That was part of this too, but we're not going backwards. But yeah. but Miami Vice made um, made South Beach what it is today. Yeah, sure. yeah, so that's, you know, that's where we can say that that was the development of our, you know, our, end, you know, our, our community. And, you yeah, know, but and that was before Instagram. That is before a lot of but things. But now, you know how worn out those Joker steps are, I imagine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but, yeah, so I just wanted to put a plug in for the Greater Miami Convention of Visitors Group because they do believe in um, this industry. Yeah, they do. They're very, yeah. It's very important to I, our I did want to go back to Sundance, though. Yes. Because we had a pretty big splash from Miami filmmakers mm-hmm. at Sundance. We did. You were there. I was the there. Ground. I was there on we the ground. We were here in the trenches. Yes. Yeah. So um, I went to the premiere of Mucho Mucho Amor, which is Kareem Tavash, who owns O Cinema, and um, Christina. I don't remember Christina's last name, but Christina is actually is from uh, lives in L.A. But she they were co-directors, mm-hmm. and um, and Alex Mara was there uh, was a producer also from Miami, um, and it was all about um, Walter Mercado. And now the world will know who Walter Mercado was. And I grew up with Walter Mercado um, because my you know I grew up in this community. His, South Florida. Very yeah, it was right. his, uh, my my high school was 60% Hispanic. So I would go to my friends' houses and you go in after, you know, after school and they're like, shh, shh, shh. And then he would be on TV because I wanted to hear what he had to say. And then after a while, I would say, what are they saying about Aquarians? What I wanted to know. I remember a lot of strange bath rituals yeah. came out of that. He would tell you yes, to bath with certain salts. That's and right. Yes. So that was like my whole household. In <laughs> buying <laughs> weird liquids and but, putting them in the bath. Yeah. But, but I still but, do it. But, but let, me, let, let, let me tell you that the, the, the film is great and the and it was sold out and I was the first person in line to get a seat there because I wanted to make sure I was there for awesome. Kareem and um, it was it was standing I mean everybody was just amazed they were they loved it and it was great ovation but they had subsequent other screenings which they were at and if you saw it on Facebook everyone was sold out so wow. it was great you know they already have distribution by Netflix so we're ex- so excited about that there is um, T which is um, a short film that really did well uh, and uh, is going to be in the Miami Film Festival as well. Mm-hmm. That um, was um, uh, that's uh, you know put together by some people, uh, Third Horizon Film Festival that are involved with that. Uh, that's um, Jason Jeffers and Keisha Witherspoon was director, and uh, Robert Colum. So the, those guys, uh, Monica, I can't remember Monica's last name, but shout out to Monica. I just saw her at the <laughs> Third Horizon Film Festival and Keisha as well and Jason. Um, but uh, the, theirs did really well, and then um, there was Omniboat the Fast Boat Fantasia, which is the Borscht Group, and there, you know, there's, you know, was premiered there right. as well. You we know? have their own festival in Miami. Yes, yeah, they do. Well. Yeah. yeah, but there's yeah. more. I mean, that's just the beginning. Of it. Look at what's going on at the Miami Film Festival now too. Oh, yeah. We have an explosion of local talent there. You know, I don't even know how I'm going to make it to all of these films. You know, and I feel obligated to make it to everybody's film. I don't <coughs> Marcus. know. Yes, well, I told you. I already yes, bought my. T- I, 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 I bought the, the tickets to Marcus. Yes, I Where did. do you think we're taking that selfie? <laughs> <Marcus>. <laughs> no plug whatsoever. No. Um, 
Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, a lot of, to be fair, a lot of great, only 12, I think, which were accepted to what's called the Made in Me Awards. Right. right? That's right. Correct. In competition, uh, which just those 12 alone, like, you know, such great filmmakers and talent. Yeah. And then the shorts programs, you know, right. also have such talent. And, you know, these days, if you make sure, I, I tell people, you know, how do I get financing for a feature? I said, make a short, mm. find, cobble it together, make a short, because from your short, you can get, as, I'm sorry, right here, right. Marcus. Marcus made a short first. That's how they got got the money to make their feature yeah and that's it's really right. that's really important and also yeah, you yeah, know yeah. doing the short although jl martinez didn't need this you know but for some producers it helps you to cut your teeth yeah and to right, understand yeah. you know the process yeah. of but mm-hmm. also the process of connecting with your film right yeah so. it's a great training ground it's a proof of concept you know is it would this work and then you just kind of put it out there yeah in a small bite and then you realize oh this could work and then you you take the chance of expanding it from there right yeah Yeah, exactly yeah Yeah. so moving forward the film office Mm -hmm. and the great connector (laughs) you already mentioned a couple of projects that are coming up yeah for miami but uh you know with the ever expanding indie film scene Mm -hmm. with the attraction of projects and we'll do a follow-up to see about these six projects that uh that you connected with in in sundance Mm um what about let's talk about two things the the future landscape of miami Mm -hmm. future landscape of sandy Leiterman. oh my god we're doing the reverse of what we usually do we usually go back okay Okay. (laughs) so let's start with the future landscape of my of the indie scene here i think that the indie scene here will continue to grow i think that i actually think that as more attention is put on our local filmmakers and all the talent that's here that will then you know it's not yet it's getting there but that will bring in investors and money right and that's important that's such an important part of this it's because it's a business it's the film business right so i i do feel that that you know that is i feel like it's our niche I really do. Even if, even if we get an incentive on the, you know, on the, and I'm saying if when we get an incentive on the statewide level, I still think that that's just going to help. That's going to skyrocket what we're doing, what's happening here in mm. this community, because it'll keep our the filmmakers, this, this creative talent here, because they'll be able yeah. to stay here, because they'll be able to work here. Um, you know, because when you're not working, working on your own project, you're working on somebody else's, right. and that's that's important. So I I I really do feel that this we're just in the beginning stages of seeing how explosive the indie film scene here is is it's going to you know we're just at the beginning i know yeah that's, yeah. that's, that's exciting um and me you know what i don't see myself going anywhere else but where i am right now i'm hoping that the next mayor will keep me here um i'm hoping that future mayors i love what i do it is a passion um I feel so comfortable in the role and you know even though it's real it's not easy I'm going to be you know having an incentive makes my job easy having not having an incentive is you know people go we like you very much Sandy but you know we got to you know we have to go Georgia we have to go here but mm. that said people still talk to us you know it's not me it's not necessarily me but it is Miami-Dade County and Miami-Dade County is you know in itself it, people know our locations they know that this is a unique area and and truthfully people want to come here so you know that 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 I have going for it because if I was like I don't know I, I'm going to say like in the middle of Minnesota maybe I might not have as much reception as I do you know for, for, with people right. and be able to get in the door but I, I my future hopefully stays exactly where I am as just hopefully continuing to, to help this industry and make it grow 
Wow. That's, wow. A, that's a nice little cap. All right. <laughs> so, so if you ever decide to do another thing, we'll take you back to this podcast. There and say, you Remember this? Yeah, I said that now. <laughs> yeah. You are stuck here for life. I'm going to tell you something that, you know, people, <laughs> and when I, you know, when I get frustrated, I'll say, you know, maybe if someone else would do the job better. And then people say, no, they wouldn't. You know, you, it, it, it's important. They feel they have an advocate. And that's important to me that I know that I'm making, you know, that at least they know I'm trying to make a difference. It might not always make a difference, but I certainly try every day. Yeah. Yeah. So we have our own cap that we do at the end of every okay. episode. And I will let JL Martinez start off with that one. All right. So it's a quick two part question. The, the first part is if you could go back in time to a young Sandy Leiterman who was just getting the film bug, what advice would this Sandy Leiterman give young Sandy Leiterman? Hmm. Um,. That I didn't do or just because... That you I mean, didn't do, that you could have done, or that you say, look, you're, um, you're doing the right thing, keep doing that. Well, the right thing was always shaking people's hands and making and, and pe- getting people to know me. That was the right thing. I think um, sometimes the wrong thing was burning bridges in early, early right on. And, you, you know, you always have to remember that um, the, uh, the person that you're pissed off at right now is might be the, your future boss. And so oh, we, you know, no, not to burn bridges. And that I learned really early on because I burned them. And then I was also not the night when I was first a producer. Truthfully, I was not the nicest person because, you know, you're, you're in a position of power, you know, all of those things. But you know what? I had friends that actually turned to me and say, you know what? You're an asshole. And I actually listened to them and I thought, okay, let me think about this because they didn't want to be my friends because they were like, you know, they, they weren't even in the industry. They just saw who I, what I had turned into. And I learned those that was, but I learned from it, you know, thankfully some other people just go, no, they won't learn from it. So, you know, I think that just being out there and, you know, talking to people and, and being present as much as you can, I think that's what I did right, you know. What I did wrong was letting power go to my head, but I, it, it happened early and quick, and it was done with. So, you know, and, that. and, and, and right. that's a tough thing because, you know, as a producer, you're yeah. oftentimes and more often than not under the gun. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. Under pressure. So, you know how it is when you're on set and you need to get things done, and the budget is, you know, ballooning, and, yeah. you know. But you know that learning to. to treat people well and learning the po- those politics help me where I am right now mm. and that is because ah. right because I have to deal with politics all the time and you have to not always deal with things that going the way you want them to go having people having to educate and trying to do everything so that it moves along and that's that's one thing we didn't talk about actually is the innards of the county and how we maneuver all that because we work with 25 departments so that's right. a whole and another thing that's another that's another, that's another podcast. Podcast. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah, have that. Yeah. that. That's podcast yes, number thirty-six. Okay, got it. And what's the second question? <laughs> the Did I second question is, yeah. yeah, that was great. Okay. The second question is just advice. Advice to people that are getting into the industry, want to get into the industry, filmmaker, producer, you know, writer, director, whatever. Well, I'm gonna first thing I'm gonna say is hone your craft um, and hone it with people you know. And I'll tell you, I, I, this is, it's so true. And it's, it's interesting because Terrell McCraney, who, right. Terrell right, McCraney, right, we interviewed uh, him. Yeah, so yeah. he writes, so he wrote and um, produced uh, Moonlight. He and Andrew Hevia also produced Moonlight. They had a, um, they actually had a, um, a panel discussion that was like coming directly from me, honestly. They, what I, what I had, what my thoughts are when it comes to giving advice. And that is, you know, when you're making your projects, your passion projects, don't go someplace else. Take 
take the people that you know that are around you that are going to help you and utilize those people because they, you know, these are your friends. You utilize that. Don't try to reinvent the wheel and do something else. Use your friends, use your friends' houses, use your, you know, use your friends and your family because they're going to support you. And that means that your project, whatever you're doing, is going to come out with more heart. That's, that's what my advice is. A lot of times, you know, uh, people think that they need to go someplace else. You know, you, you your backyard is you know, even if you're going to go somewhere else, you know, is the best place to hone your craft. And it's also, um, you know, it's also that another bit of advice is, you know, get out into the community. You know, we have on our website, we put every, as many events as we can get to know the people in the industry, just shake their hand, you know, say, hi, I'm a student, you know, I, you know, and, and then follow up. That's another thing is that very important. Get business cards, make business cards. I just have this lecture every time when I'm talking to a, a young filmmaker they go I don't have a card and this was very interesting I don't have a card but th- but I'll remember who they are I go but they need to remember who you are right. so 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 you have business cards even though you think they're antiquated have them because no, the they're new thing is like oh your Instagram likes to change yeah but you know what but like put your thing. Instagram on there right. too because people might not rem- they're not going to remember you so put right, right. or their so, phone is dead right you know, but, you, but, you, but you know what I'm saying is like you, you put your Instagram on there right. that's it it's true it, you, that card becomes your marketing tool it is still yeah. a marketing tool regardless of what you say people will keep them you yeah. know yeah. Um, or they put it in their phone and they throw it away but they have it and they, yeah. they see your name they write it down whatever and um, and seriously go out there and meet people and talk about what you want to do and you know uh, uh, join some of the independent um, you know organizations you know Film Florida uh, and and others and yeah, um, yeah and make yourself uh, known out there and that's how you will you'll move up in with your career yeah That's spoken like great a great advice. connector yeah <laughs> we might have to take that little snippet great and connector. keep it on the website all the time speaking of networking we have to plug our sponsor the Miami Media Film Market coming up in June another yes. great place for networking it so, is 10th yeah. yes. anniversary yeah. yes we're excited and, about and that Vision, which you know partners with a lot of the organizations right. and we do our own standalone things we have a panel coming up well, actually, it's a conversation with Gregory Allen Howard yeah, at, at the, the Miami Film, Film Festival. Festival. And you don't so, want to miss this. The writer of Harriet. Yes. Listen to his podcast. Yes. <laughs> and then come out to the, he the is, conversation with Gregory Allen is, Howard. He is no, like no hands barred. He is one of the most interesting. <laughs> no gloves. <laughs> no gloves no. on. <laughs> but if you want to learn how, the, the business from the right, writer's point of view, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. He is one of the masters. And I sure. think it was great yeah. that you brought up Terrell Alvin McCraney and Andrew Hevia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. My company did a piece. Uh, right. with them been they named uh, Moonlight Way yes that's right and so we'll put that piece up on the website and you can see a lot of that exchange because we interviewed Andrew Andrew we interviewed Terrell Alvin McCraney do you know who pushed that forward to the county oh we know who did <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Miss Sandy yeah, 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 I did we needed so to we make that happen it up. Great yeah. big oh, thank you that was awesome <laughs> thank you very much Sandy. thank you guys thanks for interviewing me alright we're back in Sandy wow Lighterman. Fire. She lit it up. Yeah. That was a lot of heat. I didn't know. That's a good. Yeah. Lighterman light screen heat. We're going to have to AKA her. AKA. (laughs) (laughs) Sandy lighting it up. Lighterman. Love us some Sandy here. Yeah. So. Man, that was something. Yeah. Whitney Houston. My gosh. What a cool story, right? Who would have thought casting for a chair? (laughs) A makeup chair, of all things. That chair better be comfy. Man, just sometimes you think about production issues in general. That's just one of like, just like... 
perfect example of how you can go from the sublime to the ridiculous uh, yeah <laughs> very yeah. quickly but a producer's job is hard it's a hard job it's a hard knock life <laughs> man I, and i've worked with a number of names you mm. know and uh, you know in one case i was told by the point person for a certain celebrity to buy peanuts popcorn and orange juice but i was so enamored by the celeb you know they were doing my project Mm -hmm. so we went to go do that particular part of the project Uh i craft serviced it up like five hundred dollars brie all kinds of all these things And that celeb came in, and guess what? They were upset. All they had, no. Oh, they liked it. They didn't care about any of that stuff. Oh, peanuts, popcorn, right. and orange juice. That's it. That's all they went I for. I was like, oh my god. Okay, we're just gonna have a party then. You know, afterwards. So you know that that is a notion. You know, people don't understand. You know how tough it is to to produce. Yeah, I mean it's it's a juggling act, and there's so many uh, elements from the creative to the diva moments to production issues, technical issues, budget issues, location issues. <laughs> Britney Spears, a right. million dollars, wow. and they didn't even use it. So I was gonna say maybe they should have just kept it. Maybe it would have been a wedding reception. <laughs> <laughs> they should have said it. Hey, we did this. Hey, you can come back and do your wedding year. Yeah, but great job. Sandy, we hope to have you back soon. And, Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of the indie spirit of Miami, Spirit Awards. Yeah, I wanted to get a little, a little deeper dive into the Spirit Awards. We already mentioned the farewell. Spirit in Miami. Director Lulu Wang, who went to school here, grew up in in our Miami Dade County. Yeah. Uh, doing some wonderful work. So I know that unfortunately. She didn't make the Oscar cut this year, but she, she made it in my heart. She did. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying we should have the Miami Oscars. It should be a week after the Oscars. Yeah, that sounds Maybe like that should, could be could that could be, be a notion. Yeah, we can we can start our own academy. Screen Heat Miami Awards. <laughs> Do it our way. Yes, SMH. There you go. Uh so yeah, no, she did win the best picture at the Indie Spirit Awards. That was a great moment for her. Spirited speech. Very spirited speech, very energetic, very Lulu Wang. Loved it. It was really cool. Uh, you know, and, and I think she's gonna have has so much great work ahead of her yeah so we're excited for what's next it's a power couple yeah yeah speaking of power couples they're brothers the safty brothers yes taking home the best director award a hilarious speech if you guys want to watch it on youtube they're kind of talking over each other and rambling uncut Uh, gems uncut gems what a little gem (laughs) a little that's a big it's a big yeah another big Another big snub at the Oscars, but uh, but yeah, they they were rep- represented at the at the Spirit Awards, along with the Sandman, yeah, who won the big acting award. For me, this is Adam Sandler's best performance. Yeah, for me. Yeah, I mean, Punch Drunk Love was great. Uh, the Meyerowitz was the Meyerowitz Chrono, the the Netflix thing he did with Noah Baumbach, also very good. A little bit more on the dramatic side, but this one really was like and, and in your face. Oh yeah, but also you know t- different hit, hints and hits and no- notes and yeah. you know subtleties and overtures and you know so it was a multi layer performance as well. So yeah, no, he was great. He was great. So you know he was he was very funny. He talked about uh, the Spirit Awards being the best personality award if you were comparing it to a high school yearbook, whereas the Oscars are best looking. <laughs> and it was like, but looks right. fade away and personalities forever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was cool. You can watch that speech. All the speeches are on YouTube, but there there's 
some gems in there. Speaking of gems. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to get back to the Oscars a little bit. Oh, yes. Yeah. And um, certainly in terms of the makeup of the night and the no host. I think it was a train wreck. I'm going to be honest. I always, I always was save my wreck. most personal opinions for the outro. <laughs> but, yeah, I think the production was a mess. You know, because without the host, you had people introducing people, and they actually made fun of it to introduce a topic. And it just felt like, what are you doing, man? Like, there was so much wasted time and energy, I think. You know, obviously, the, the event did go a little bit over. Uh, and then the moment they should have never cut, which is your best picture speech. At that point, who cares? Oh They're bringing God. lights down. Tom Hanks is yelling, throwing stuff out the stage. You know, saying, let him finish. This. At this point, let, who cares? Let him finish the speech, man. Yeah, yeah. So I think that they, there there needs to be a sit down with the organizers of the academy. Always, it's a speaking of producing, very difficult job to produce an Oscar awards uh, with the limited time, not knowing the nominees to like a month before whatever it is, uh, and then trying to organize an entire event that's televised internationally, live all around the world. Not an easy task. Yes, to not, be fair. But there was another emerging talent at the Oscars. Someone who deserved a separate Oscar. They should have given her a little tiny Oscar. <laughs> the interpreter. Oh, yes. Of Bong Joon Ho. Oh, yeah. She is a superstar. Brilliant. Rock star. Yeah. She killed it. There's been banter that she should host the Oscars next year. <laughs> she, or either have her there on the side. Yeah. I couldn't believe it, man. Like, you know, he just kept going on and on and on, which right. he wasn't, you know, right. because then when she translated, yeah. it was like it kind of all heartfelt. Right. And you could feel it. And I'm like, oh, my God, how did she like on the fly? Keep that. Yeah. And relay it. Yeah. And remember, look, she obviously she did a great job with the Oscar, but she's been doing it all award season. Yeah, she has been doing it all award season. So, this know. is the first time I've actually seen her. Right. You know, so. It's true. Man. But, yeah. And was, obviously she's a, um, a filmmaker herself. That's what I heard. Yeah, she's an aspiring filmmaker in her own right, so. She translated those stories. Hell, yeah. Oh, I have to see. Maybe she'll win. And maybe. Hopefully. Yeah, see. yeah. But, um, so, I was... <laughs> Really rooting for Cynthia Arevo, of course, because right. our Screen Heat Miami alum, Gregory right. Allen Howard, yep. wrote and was a producer on Harriet. Right. But she killed that musical number. Best performance as far as the music side, yeah. For she sure. was the best performance of the music. Yeah. Um, certainly, actress Judy was just tour de force the movie was a tour de force right. um cynthia rivo's performance in harriet i think could have won as well yeah but you know they got to give it up for renee zellweger yeah she did a great work and then uh, obviously the big actor category uh, all of them uh, most everyone expected joaquin to win and he did yeah you know. that speech <laughs> oh man he took us all around upside down uh, and back kinda, kind of a trend. i think he was a little Inebriated? <laughs> I don't know if he was inebriated. I mean, apparently, you know, he's he went to rehab. He's all off the wagon, oh, yeah, on the wagon. Right. Which wagon is is it the correct one? Uh, anyway, um, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> this parasite director didn't care. He's like, well, I'm getting drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so apparently, yeah. they they closed down a Korean restaurant till like five in the morning. Oh, really? Yeah. So, but but yeah, Joaquin. It, it was an interesting speech. I thought it was a kind of a little all over the place. You know, getting into the weeds of the dairy industry. I thought it was, <laughs> 
Not yeah, sure. milk, no milk, yeah. and cows, and yeah. you're stealing milk from the cows. And I don't know. I mean, the most touching moment, obviously, he mentions his brother in a line that he wrote in a song. That was beautiful. I, th- I think we should have done more of that. Yeah, um, but that line, man. That was cool. Oof. Yeah. That line hit my heart. I even wrote it down. I was like, man, we got to come back with that line. Yeah, if you help someone, like if you help someone with love, uh, you'll have peace or something. You know, like, if you help someone with love, you'll have peace. Something like that. Isn't that what it was? <laughs> Run to the rescue with love, and peace will follow. That was what it was. Yeah, it could be on a fortune cookie. It could be. <laughs> but uh, it was a great song. line. It was a great way to end the speech. You know, I'm glad that he did that. And you know, I think those personal moments at the Oscars, as opposed to like making it so much a, a political platform, mm-hmm. I really, regardless of what your cause is or your or whatever, uh, I really think it's those personal moments of speeches when you thank your fans when you reach out like I thought Matthew McConaughey did an amazing job with his speech um, you know obviously it was very well sort of rehearsed but you know when he talked about his dad and his mom and you know making gumbo and all that stuff like those are the things that people are like man you, you connect think Matthew, you think his speeches are rehearsed well, I think I think. Well, I mean, it he knew feels, what he was. They it, feel so off the cuff. It flowed very naturally because he's a brilliant actor, um, and he is such a natural type person. And maybe it's the Texas thing. I might yeah, be the man, Texas you thing. Know, I just go out there. I'm just gonna give a speech, man. I don't know <laughs> what I'm gonna talk about. I'm just gonna go up there and talk about my dad and the gumbo, you know, looking down on heaven, my wife, and you know, and I'm just gonna just keep living, man. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was such a great speech because it was personal. I think, and we go back to the ratings of the Oscars, right? Mm-hmm. And how poorly it's doing. And I think, and, and Ricky Gervais actually tweeted about that, that when you get on your political high horse, when you when middle America, when your audience feels like you're being talked down to, I think you lose them. But, yeah, well, that could be another element. Definitely another element of... And how do you address that? Because you can't, like, tell people what to say. I mean, obviously, yeah, you cannot censor the Oscars. You can't tell someone not to be political. But look, at the end of the day... Well, Ricky Gervais said it. He can. (laughs) Thank you, God. It didn't stop Thank you, Raging, and fuck off. It didn't didn't stop anyone. (laughs) Well, yeah, look, anyone can criticize a speech. You know, I'm not saying that, and that's not the same as censorship. Um, You know, like, that would be the Academy or the ABC bleeping out a political speech or something. You know, but you don't want to do that. Obviously, they have to beep for language, you know, yeah. uh, in case a little fuck slips in now and then. But, uh, but you know, I think that if an actor, if a performer, if the Oscars want to really connect with America, with an audience, those personal moments really are, because, you know, not everyone believes in veganism, but most people have brothers or siblings. Maybe they've lost someone in their life. And that was the best part of his speech. Matthew McConaughey talking about his dad and, and how proud he was, you know, and his mom and, you know, the, his own family now. That's something everyone can connect to. Regardless of political ideology, regardless of whether you feel represented or not, those family moments, those personal moments, if they can find an elegant way to elevate that, I think it will elevate the Oscars, elevate the ratings and make it a more interesting show. That's my Let's pitch. Send this to the Academy. Can we send that to Academy and, and ABC and Bob Iger? Maybe he'll give us a shot next year. <laughs> they cut to him a lot. Did you notice that? Yeah. They're like boss man. Yeah, that's right. Boss man. <laughs> Gotta watch for the boss man. Uh, yeah. We're looking out for they, you. They, they looked out for him. <laughs> Disney had a big year yeah. last year. Yeah. I, tell you I love Bob Iger. He's a great. I mean, because he's been out there so much because of his press book tour or whatever. You know. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's he is winding down his tenure. Yeah, and, you know, that story about, well, we did talk about Gangster Mickey and Gangster Goofy. Oh, yeah. But that story about 
you know that school that showed uh, uh, yeah the Lion the King. Lion King yeah they got fined two hundred fifty bucks or something yeah. for licensing you know and but uh, Bob Iger came in and made him whole apparently I'm sure he made him more than whole yeah. <laughs> the whole thing literally it's so ridiculous it was like an $800 that they raised for their little school yeah. in Northern California and they were charged being charged $250 fine for not licensing the movie yeah but um, I mean that's cool you know because Bob Iger that happened he had nothing to do he would not even be a micro dot on him knowing that that right, would happen right but you know that's also but when you come in and right. you do the right thing right that speaks volumes. Oh, it does. And and he's done that on several occasions. And because, again, he's so out there publicly now telling his story, there's been several moments throughout his tenure at Disney that he's done similar things that, you know, someone in his position that could have easily either ignored it or passed it on to a subordinate uh, that he he has that personal touch. Yeah. You know, which is part of, I think, what the brand of the Disney magic, you know, there was that he, he told a story that he was in Shanghai opening up the Disney theme park over there. And it just happened to be, unfortunately, the same week that unfortunately that kid uh, in Orlando got eaten by the alligator you know he was oh, yeah. playing on the beach and he right. got sucked in and you know he talks about how he literally while he was there he stepped away and and he called the the family himself oh wow you know and and he was he's like look just tell them i know if they, if they don't want to talk to me it's fine but i'm just reaching out personally and you know Pretty cool, man. Mm-hmm. And and do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. And saying, look, you know, it's it's a big corporation. Obviously, a lot of ton of legal issues. <laughs> but I want them to know that there's a human being behind a lot of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's there's because, something to be said for that. Yeah, because there is there, there could potentially be some culpability behind him. You know, making that call that in that way. I'm sure that he checked it with legal first, but maybe he didn't. I don't know. Who knows? But right. um, that is something. And I'm gonna kind of end with this about Joaquin's speech. That I did love where he talked about being a scoundrel and being a cad and second chances. Right. And he said that he was happy that Hollywood gave him a second chance. That's right. And I'm a big believer in that. Second chances, you know, people fall down, they get back up, help them to get back up. Right. And that's a testament. Great point. That's another part of his speech I liked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The cow stuff, not so much. But um, <laughs> I'm going to drink my milk. I'm a dairy guy. Yeah, Sorry. Stop but, me you from know, drinking but my milk obviously, and look, my everyone, steak. Exactly. <laughs> Hail to the yizza. Um, but yeah, that was another powerful moment. I think the whole idea of redemption and also a statement against this sort of modern day social media driven cancel culture. Yeah. Where as soon as a celebrity makes a misstep or someone says or tweets or thinks the wrong thing publicly, that they're immediately canceled for life. Yeah. You know, and, and there is a lot to be said for forgiveness, for second chances, you know, uh, not just in the entertainment industry, but... No, in life. That's in what life. I, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it resonates. You know, that's yeah. a message that resonates kind of, you know, across cultures and barriers and stuff. So, so yeah. yeah. So, um, our next week's episode is really cool. Really, really cool. We have Puppet Master. Whoa. The puppet master of South Florida, Jim Hammond. That's right. His story and his journey is pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty brilliant. And it has to do with the Lion King. So. Ooh, good tease. <laughs> we Speaking want of. you all to tune in <laughs> to next week's episode. But for this week, thank you for tuning in yes. and being with us all the way to this point. 
we are looking forward to getting to our 100th episode moving forward. So this is Kevin Sharpley. J.O. Martinez. Screen Heat Miami. And we'll see you next week. Dali. Boom.